Um, you know, there's a lot kind of bouncing around in my head, and and that uh, you would help me to find the right the right pathway to do this, Lord God, to to share the gospel this morning, to to um, to just just talk about Christ and and the way that you've washed us of our sins and and the way that that we are adopted in your family, that we are your children, Lord, as a result of 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 this just amazing act of grace that you've done for us. Um, Please be with the folks who are here and help us to help them to hear the gospel today. Help them to hear from from Christ and to know you more, uh, just by hearing the word preached today. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Um, wow. So I uh, I have been married for twenty two years, twenty one years. Twenty two years ago, my wife and I met on the internet, and she was coming. She was up here in Montana to go to college. And I was in Chicago going to college. And we, so we met on the Internet. And we talked for a few months. And we decided when she was moving home from college, because uh, things didn't work out up here, that we would uh, meet kind of along the way and so we could meet in person. And, and so um, we did that. And that was a long time ago. That was before uh, the Internet what it is what it is now. Like it was, I think, tin cans tied to strings back then. Um, but I, I have this picture, and I found it a few years ago. This is from the first day, or the day after we first met. This is from the, the like when we first met, like when we first got to know each other. Um, you'll notice that I look really goofy, and my wife looks almost exactly the same. Um, but this picture, the reason I'm starting with this is, um, this first off, it's a selfie taken with a disposable camera. Um, back before selfies were a real thing, I invented them trademark Eric um, <laughs> but the 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 thing is all right Jess couldn't see this in this picture but I, I found this a few years ago and it reminded me of this day um, meeting her in person one of the things that I I did I was struck by how pretty she was and that was a that was a thing that that just blew me away was like I have all these pictures of her and that she was prettier than her pictures and her smile was was better than her pictures everything was better and I remember, because we're sitting there, and we're, we're sitting in front of a computer at this time, because what else would you do on a first date? Um, <laughs> and I, I was sitting next to her, and I kept staring at her, just because I was, I was captured by the fact that she was, she was just lovely. Um, anybody ever do that? Like when you first start dating someone, and you, you, know, that you, and, and you just stop, and you look, and you're like, wow. You know, I remember doing that with Abby when she was first born, you know, and, and just holding her and looking at her and thinking, Wow. You know, or or with with Titus when I first held him, and just thinking, you know, wow. And and for you know a long time actually, for for a number of years, that was that was the default. I would just stop, and I would just watch her. You know, or I I had pictures of her that were all over, and and I would just stop. Wow, my wife is pretty. Um, I I have our wedding picture on my phone, like, um, and I look at her every day, and sometimes I'll just stop and look at our wedding picture. Man, my wife was you know is beautiful and and but uh, about 10 years ago I I came across this picture in a in a box or something and I was thinking about it and I realized that it had been years since I did that isn't that weird like you get to this point where you're so familiar with the other person that you just stop looking and and you just stop paying attention and it's something well it's every day right and, and actually, I made it a point then, and she doesn't know I do this, but now I'm, she's going to think I'm really creepy and weird. Um, but we'll, like, watch TV together. 
she hadn't figured it out by now. We'll, we'll like watch TV together and she'll be on one end of the couch and I'll be on the other and I'll just stop watching and just stare at her for a while. You know, because I, I, when you see someone every day, it's easy to forget to stop and look and say, wow, right? It's easy to forget to stop and say, I am so blessed. I am so lucky. Um, actually, as I was thinking about the approach to this, um, I remembered when I interviewed here uh, years ago now, uh, we were here, we were staying at the Bitzes, and I was talking to Rebecca when we, when we were out here to interview, and I, I asked her, I said, Rebecca, do you still look at the mountains? I'm like, you get this mountain range right there. Like, do you, do you ever stop paying attention to them? Do you ever, like, stop noticing them? And she said, yeah, actually, I did until I went to college, and I came back, and suddenly I noticed them again because they were gone and they came back. But these huge, I mean, they're mountains, right? How do you stop noticing mountains? But the thing is that we can become so familiar with something. We can become so ingrained and expectant that it will be there that we stop paying attention and we stop appreciating and we stop glorying in what we have, right? Um, By the way, on National Life Appreciation Day, you should take a few minutes and just, just do this. Um, because I've discovered that the more time I spend staring at my wife and thinking about how pretty she is and how much I appreciate her, the prettier she is. Isn't that weird? Um, because taking the time to be in that moment, like it does something to you. We're, we're in Second Peter today, and the reason we're talking about this is um, Peter is going to be doing kind of a weird little thing here where he talks about the fact that he's going to die before long and the Lord has revealed it to him. And over and over again, he's going to say, hey, remember the important parts. I know you know it, but you need to take the time to remember it. Remember, remember, remember. He says it three times in the text. And I think what he's doing there is he's telling them, look, guys, you know the message. You know the theology. You know the text. You know this stuff. But you need to stop and intentionally be in it and remember it. Because we've we can become so familiar with the gospel. We can become so familiar with the story Um, We can know the songs that Jeremy repeats over and over and over again um, that we stop appreciating it. When I first started going to church 100 years ago, um, it was at a Lutheran church, and we said the creeds every week, right? I believe, and I've been to a Lutheran church in a long time, but I can do them, right? I believe in the Lord, you know, and, oh, no, see, there it is. (laughs) I, but we would do them every week, and I remember listening and watching as a kid and thinking, None of these people have to look at the book, and none of them sound like they're doing anything other than reciting, right? Um, And it's easy when it's there and when you become so familiar and when it's always in front of you, you can forget to be in love with it. You can forget to be passionate about it. Familiarity is the enemy of passion, right? So um, we're in 2 Peter. By the way, she is really pretty in this picture. Um, so the series so far, we're working through the very beginning of Second Peter. Um, last week, we kind of talked about these, you know, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, things. Um, and this week, we're going to be diving into his transition. He's sort of given a preview of what the text is going to be about. And this is him kicking the car into gear and going after it. Um, Peter is about to talk about his death. Um, for those of you all who aren't aware, there's a spot in the Gospel of John where Jesus told Peter, hey, you're going to get arrested one day and executed. 
and we're going to talk about that today. But just be aware. I mean, like, Peter knew he was going to die, and he knew he was going to die pretty bad, right? And so, like, he's going to reference that, and we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to detour one last time to Joshua. Joshua is in the Old Testament. This is thousands of years before Peter was born. But what's going on here is this is right after the Exodus, not right after the Exodus, decades after the Exodus. The Jewish people have come out of Egypt. They've wandered around the desert for 40 years because, like, there was a man with the map and he wouldn't pull over and ask for directions. Or they sinned and they got punished by being forced to stay in the desert for 40 years which is probably what it is. Um, So they're in the desert for 40 years. And when God finally sends them into the promised land, he parts the Jordan River and he sends them across the Jordan River, like on dry ground, and they march into the promised land. And here's what happens. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down and place them where they where you lodge tonight then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed a man from each tribe and Joshua said to them pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulders according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel that you may be that this may be a sign among you now watch this that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in in time to come what do those stones mean to you then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be, a, um, shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Now, part of what's sort of funny about this text is, first off, if you look at this area around the Jordan River, there are rocks everywhere, right? Like... <laughs> And, and it's sort of assumed that these are big, stinking rocks, right? Um, there are ancient examples of, these are called masabot, or masabot. My Hebrew is awful. Um, and, like, over and over again, you'll see instances, like, where the new covenant is established in, at Sinai. They set up 12 stones as a sign that this is our contract we signed, right? Um, and then, like, there's a spot where Jacob is sleeping, and he sees a stairway to heaven, um, and he hears that song for the first time. And then, like, 40 minutes later, when it's over, he finally, like, he sets up a stone. And he says, this stone is a reminder. This is Penuel. This is where, like, I saw the entrance into heaven. Um, and God would have people do this over and over and over again, where they would set up these monuments. And the reason was, God would say, remember. Remember, remember, remember. When you pass by here, look at it and remember, I saved you here. Remember, I showed you something amazing here. Remember, you wrestled with an angel here. Remember. And over and over again, that's what they would do. As time went on, this practice of remember based on this became bigger and bigger and more widespread. Um, If you read the Old Testament, there are a bunch of these weird dietary and clothing laws, right? And you read them and you're like, why can't they wear clothes made of polyester and like, like cotton? Polyester wasn't invented then, um, but they couldn't wear mixed fabric clothing. And people will read that and say, well, that's nonsense. Why would you do that? It was a remember, you're a unique people. Don't blend with people who are not Jewish. 
Don't become like the world. Don't take on their practices. Don't give up what you are. Be Jewish folks. Remember, most of the dietary laws are related to that, right? Um, Most of the dietary laws, like you can't eat lobster. Why? Because lobster are things that live in the water like fish, but they're also spiders, right? Like they're, they're land animals that happen to be fish. And like, because they're not one thing or the other, you don't eat them because they're a mix, right? And it's a reminder you're not like everyone else. Stay separate. You're not like the world. Don't become like the world. And over and over again, if, you, uh, if you're looking for a really awesome time, like an experience to understand the scriptures and understand the Jewish people and understand the cross better, um, John every year does a couple of Seder meals. And the Seder meal is this thing where like every year, and they do it still today, for thousands of years the Jews have been doing this, where they would gather up and they would eat the bread, and the bread was a reminder. Remember, we were brought out of the Exodus. Hey, drink this salt water. Why are we drinking salt water? It's not good. It's a reminder of the tears of your ancestors. Remember. Everybody with me? God over and over again reminds his people, don't forget what you've been given. Don't forget. Don't forget. And so as Peter dives in, We're going to skip that one. Um, So I will always remind you. Actually, I will do that one. This is the end of last week. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to conform your calling and election. Confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter ends his previous section. He says, do this stuff because this is a part of being saved. Right? Like, Do this stuff because this is what you do when you're saved. Live it out. Don't just say you believe this stuff. Like, live it. Be people who are about what you're about. And so then he transitions, and we have this short little paragraph. It's like five verses, four verses. Um, So, I will always remind you of these things, even though you you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Now watch this. So the so is the reason I had to include the previous verses. Because so is a transition. It means based on these things, this. So based on the fact that you have to go out and live it, based on the fact that you have to put this stuff into action, based on the fact that Christianity is not a faith of belief only, but belief in action, so, so I will remind you of these things. He says, remember, remember the core truth. Remember what you've been told. Remember what is actually going on. And he says, I know you know it. I know you are firmly established in the truth. I know that you have all this stuff nailed down, but you need to remember it. Why? Because if you're firmly established in something, you can stop looking at it and saying, wow. Isn't it true? Um, I've been a Christian for a long time, like, I don't know, 20, 28, almost 30 years. Um, And I think about the beginning and I think about like discovering that God loved me no matter how big of a screw up I was, no matter how worthless I thought I was, no matter how how dumb and sinful and, and how easily I screwed up, like no matter how big of a loser I was, God loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me. And I remember hearing that story and saying, wow, I don't know what this is, but I want it. This is all I want in my life. Wow. I remember waking up hungover 
far more recently than I should have, like 15 years ago. And, and the, this reminder coming into me, like, like Christ died for you. And you're living like it's not true. What's going on? And I, I fixed my life. I, I pursued Christ. I said, well, whatever it is, I need to have Jesus back. If it cost me my marriage, if it cost me my job, if it cost me anything, I will be with Jesus again. And I chased after him. And that was all I wanted. And I figured out how to be repentant and to walk in the faith again. And that time, I remembered, like, and I'm reminded, regularly I'll go back and look and say, I might think I've got it going on, but I was that guy. When I was wicked, when I was, when I was drunk most of the time, when I was stealing from people, when I was a liar, I lied so much it was insane. Like, I'm still pretty ashamed of that part of my life. Christ died for all of that. And I'm willing to bet that there are folks sitting here who have similar stories. Christ died for your brokenness. Christ died for you when you were his enemies. And actually, not even just stopping there at like our rebellion against God. Some of y'all have been in really dark places where you look and you say, I don't even know where I'm going next. Like the valley of the shadow of death, like David would have put it. Some of y'all have stood in that spot and said, I don't know what's going to happen now. Christ was there, and Christ poured out his blood to redeem you from that place. Like, God stepped the whole way with you. You're never alone, never forsaken, never abandoned. And when we stop and think about that, like, it's a big deal to stop and say, wow. That's the truth of it. Wow. I mean, because it's easy to show up every week. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to be really ticked off at people, isn't it? Like, one of the hardest things about working in church world is that, like, along the way, and this is not the case here, I love you all, um, but in the past at other churches I've worked at, I've had people who've said just nasty things to me and, and good friends who yelled at my wife in a meeting once. I couldn't believe it. Right in front of me, they just they hollered at her. What are you doing? We've been friends with you for years. I was there when your child was born. Like, but what are you doing to us? And it's easy to lose sight of Christ and the fact that we're doing all of this because Christ poured out his blood for you. It's easy to lose sight of that in favor of being angry, being depressed, being bitter, being bored, right? Or being tempted into something else that might screw up your life. And there's plenty of that around, right? It's actually really, really good timing that it's Yancey's birthday. Because every time I remember, oh my gosh, Yancey's been alive for four years. What a miracle, right? But you can forget it. And I'm betting that Carly has frequently forgot it when she was changing diapers or dealing with that child's attitude. She has an attitude, right? (laughs) Her sister chimed in. That was awesome. (laughs) But remember, right? Remember what God has done for you. Remember. Um, And in remembering, we're spurred to better stuff. We're spurred to better life. We're spurred to walk in it. Um, I know a lot of men that say, oh, well, I'm, I'm married, not dead. Or like, just because I'm married doesn't mean I can't look, or I've already ordered, doesn't mean I can't look at the menu. And I always want to tell them, look, if you only have eyes for your wife, you'll pursue her passionately. If you allow yourself to get distracted and you forget the things that matter, you'll stop. You'll stop being the husband you, your wife deserves, right, on National Wife Appreciation Day. That's my gift to all of you women. Men do better. Um, <laughs> so we move on. 
I think it is right to refresh your memory. That's a second mention of remember, right? I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. So Peter says, listen, as long as I'm in the tent that is this body, I have to keep reminding you. I have to keep telling you. The big thing with tents is nobody wants to live in them forever, right? Nobody likes camping. We say we do. It's a lie. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> nobody lives in a tent forever. We live in a tent temporarily, and then we go home, right? And Peter is talking about this tent. As long as I'm in this tent, as long as I'm in this temporary residence, I'm going to remind you. I'm going to tell you over and over and over and over again because I know that I will soon put it aside. My wife and I were doing a, uh, an exercise for a men's group that I'm, I'm involved in last night, and we were talking about different things. And one of the things that we talked about was um, if, if you knew you were going to die at the end of the week, what would you do differently? Think about it a second. And my wife said, I would quit my job. And I said, I would go to work. Because if I knew I was going to die at the end of this week, I would go to work and I'd tell you guys about Jesus, right? I would say, hey, guys, I'm going to go be with Jesus today. But, like, you all need to take this seriously, right? Um, there was this practice amongst the ancient uh, Stoic philosophers where they would spend time every day reflecting on their own death. And they would say, oh, well, you know, I will die one day, and one day I will no longer be alive, and what am I doing with the time I have and all of this other stuff? And I, I think you see some of that in the scriptures where Paul talks about, like, Christ is coming back soon. Or, hey, I am longing to leave this body and go be with the Father, but in the time I have, I'm going to serve you. And Peter's saying here, look, the day is coming, I'm going to die, and what I'm going to do with that time is I'm going to remind you, Jesus Christ died for your sins. Jesus Christ died for you when you were worthless. Jesus Christ died for you when you were evil and when you were in rebellion. Jesus Christ poured out his blood and was broken physically for you, nailed to a cross because he loved you that much. If I'm going to use my life, that's what I'm going to use my time for. And we don't live in a culture that says that. We have the culture of, what's the phrase? Yolo. No, but it was close. YOLO, right? I've used it in a sermon twice now. Um, and I'll repent later. You only live once, and so you might as well go out and enjoy it. In reality, you only live once, but you will live forever. And the once in this tent is not the place you want to stay, and it's not the place you want to live it up. If you sell your house to enjoy the tent as much as you can, you're stupid. Right? It's true, right? You're not staying here. And Peter says, listen, this is the truth of it. Now watch this. And I actually caught this as I was, uh, I was running on the treadmill this morning and praying about this passage. This is John 21. Christ has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He appears to the disciples in Galilee. Um, and Peter sees him and he dives out of the boat and swims to shore because he wants to be back with him. Um, and he's been, like this is after the denial, before he's been restated, reinstated. Um, and so... When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. 
Again, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. He asked him three times because Peter denied him three times, right? He's reminding him, hey, you you rejected me. You denied me, right? But he's reinstating him. Peter was hurt um, because he asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Now watch this. Stretch out your hand and go where you don't want to go. Like there are some people that read that and assume that that's a reference to crucifixion. Like stretch out your hands. It was a way, like a euphemism that was used in the ancient world to refer to crucifixion. Peter was actually crucified in Rome at about 65, 64-ish A.D. under Nero. Uh, He was killed roughly the same time Paul was beheaded. Um, He was arrested with his wife. He was forced to watch his wife be crucified. And he called out to her from, from you know, watching her die. He said, remember how Christ loved those who, who persecuted him. Like, remember how Christ loved those who crucified him. And then the next day he went out and he said, I'm not worthy to die the way that my Lord died. And they hung him upside down, which would have been about 110 times worse. Like, hanging upside down, being crucified would have been, I mean, crucifixion is bad, but this would have been worse. It would have been excruciating and painful. And Peter chose this. He asked for it. Why does this matter? Now, watch this. When I first read this in connection to the text, I kept focusing on Peter knew, Jesus told him, you're going to die. You're going to be crucified. You're going to, like, suffer this horrible death on my behalf. It is coming. And so Peter knew. And when he references this, he knows what's coming. And he knows it's going to be bad. But watch this. Right before, right before he's told how he's going to die, he's told three times to do what? Feed my sheep. Right? And so when Peter talks about this event, he says, I think it's right to refresh your memory. I'm going to die soon, but I'm going to remind you. You know why he's reminding him? Because that is feeding his sheep. The sheep, we live on Christ's death and resurrection. We live by his blood shed for us. We live as redeemed people. Like Our whole spiritual life is this. And so when Christ said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, he's telling them, tell them the gospel story. Tell them about my, like what I've done for you. Tell them about this new covenant. Tell them that they are adopted into my family. Feed them like bread that you don't have to buy and give them living water to drink. Like that is what Christ is commanding him to do. And that's what he does. I'm going to skip over that one. Um, And so Peter closes out, he says, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. And so Peter says this interesting thing. He says, listen, I know that I'm going to die, and I know that after my departure, by the way, the departure word he uses here is exodus, which is kind of funny, right? Especially since, like, this is a Jewish guy writing this, and exodus would mean, like, I'm leaving slavery and heading to the promised land. And so Peter's saying, listen... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exodus. I am departing. I am out of here. But I'm going to make sure you remember these things. There's a lot of discussion about what he means by this. 
I have a couple of suggestions. Now watch this. It might be the case that it's a reference to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is Peter's Gospel. Mark was Peter's like preaching assistant, and he took notes based on Peter's preaching. Um, the book of Mark is basically Peter's preaching notes, right? So it's the book that you buy after going to the seminar, right? It might be that. And Peter wrote a ton of letters, apparently. We have references to them in other places, but we don't have but like the two. And so it might be the case Peter's talking about that. I think that it's a mix of things. And I think the third part of this is Peter has raised up people, and Peter has made an impact on people's lives that will carry through, right? If you look around you, I'm willing to bet that there's at least one person in this room that's impacted your life in a good way. Is that fair? Um, I'm willing to bet that if you think back to the years that you've been a believer or the years you've been following Christ or even the beginning of the time when you followed Christ, you can say, this guy invested in me. This guy spent time talking to me. This guy preached the gospel to me. I, I couldn't help this morning as I was thinking about this thing about uh, Jeff Lavoy, right? Some of you all don't know Jeff. Jeff was faithful and awesome and here forever, and he passed away a few years ago. But I had somebody say this to me about a year ago. You can still see Jeff in this place because you can see the impact he made on people's lives. And you can still see echoes of the way that he ministered to people and the way that he talked to people and the way that he invested in people. You can still see it. It's there. Um, we don't have as many remembers, right? We don't have stones we pile up. We don't have those things. We have Christ and other people. We have remember. Christ worked through Jeff for me. We have remember. Christ worked through Barney in my life. Nobody else knows Barney, but you do, and you know what I'm talking about. Um, Christ worked through, I mean, in my life, I can point to a bunch of people in this room. Like, Christ worked through these people, and he made me better. He made me grow. He redeemed me. He saved me. He made me new. And what he's telling us is, listen, over and over again, look at this stuff. Look at the gospel. Look at this truth. Look at the things that God has done to save us and to redeem us and to bring us into his, into his family. Like, look at this stuff and keep it in front of you. Um, one of the things that we have is the church, right? And we're not doing communion today. I thought about it. Um, but on the night Christ was betrayed, I almost did it backward, and I'm not even serving communion. He took his bread and he broke it, right? And he said, take this and eat it. This is my body broken for you. Is it actually the body of Christ? Well, no, it's not actually the body of Christ. It's a reminder, right? This is a giant stone on the side of the Jordan River. This is a giant stone on the edge of our life saying, you know what? When you were worthless, Christ was broken for you. And every time we take it, we remember Christ died for me and I have to live for this. This is the way I am living now. And he took his cup and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this as a sign of the new and everlasting covenant. This is a reminder. What happened here? Christ was broken and his blood was poured out to save me even when I didn't deserve it. We're given that in our baptism. When we're reminded the old Eric is dead and the new one is raised up. We're given these things as a reminder. Every, every, every day pursue Christ. Every day chase after him. 
Live like it matters. Live like this is a real thing because it is. Live like this is a tent you're living in and there's a go-home time that's coming. So what do we do with this? First off, you have to remember that Christ died for you. You're not a Christian because you're awesome. You're not a Christian because you're so good and holy and better than your neighbor. If that's stuck in your head, get rid of it because it's a lie. You're a Christian because Jesus poured out his blood for you, and you need to remember that every day. What did Christ do for me? What did Christ do for me? You need to stop every once in a while and say, oh, wow, I married a beautiful Savior, right? I belong to a beautiful Savior. I was adopted into an amazing family. If you knew you were going to die at the end of the week, Peter takes the opportunity to preach the gospel, right? I'd show up to work. Sleep in my office probably, I don't know. Um, (laughs) What would you do with it? Because Christ is coming back. You ain't going to be here forever. Like, what would you do with it? Over and over again, Christ touched on this idea in the Gospels, in his own teachings. He said, listen, um, the thief comes in the night, right? Be ready. He says, tells a story about the virgins who have candle oil. And he says, before it's night, have enough oil in your candle so when the bridegroom shows up, you're brought with him. Be ready. Um, in a field, one will be taken and the other left. Be ready. There'll be no warning. You just stand before God, folks. What are you going to do with today? What are you going to do with tomorrow? Oh, man, i got to go to Hawaii. Is that it? need a new car before I die. We have to come back over and over to this truth, right? What are the things that are distracting you from it is another question I want to ask. Remember, when you're distracted, what is distracting you? And is it worthwhile? Uh, There's a gal who worked at the um, men's home who had a five tattooed on her wrist. And I asked her, I'm like, what's that? It was a V. Oh, it's a five. It's to remind me to ask in five minutes or five days or five weeks or five months or five years, is this going to matter? Okay. But the question is, like, if I'm going to live for eternity, is what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm doing going to go with me? And then my final thing to ask you to remember and to ask yourself is this. What impact are you going to have on the folks around you? Right? Peter is saying, I'm going, but I'm going to leave an impact. Um, if you stop breathing tonight, what's going to happen next? What impact will you have on the folks around you? How are people going to remember you? Or are they going to just forget? Are you going to show people who Christ is and they're going to back up and say, you know what, I know who God is because of that guy. And I can list off my people. Uh, Pastor Mike McFarlane from uh, a Lutheran Church in Alabama. I don't remember the name of the church anymore. St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Montgomery, Alabama. There you go. Huge impact on my life. The youth leaders there, the the volunteers there, they changed my life. Uh, Barney Fultz. Um, man, I honestly, I could do this for an hour. Um, the people who have impacted me and helped me know Christ better. My own wife has helped me know Christ better. Um, these are people who have changed me. They are giant standing stones in my life. My question is, will you be a giant standing stone in somebody's life? Will people walk past you and forget what you're doing there? 
if Christ did amazing things through you, he's calling you to do amazing things for other people. Pour your life out. I'm going to close in prayer and I'll let you go. I know I'm a little long, but I started late, so, and I'm not apologizing. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to remember over and over and over again that your son died for us. Help us to remember to back up and look and say, oh, wow, Christ poured out his blood for me. Oh, wow, when I didn't deserve it, he died on my behalf. Oh, wow, I serve an amazing Savior. Remind us to look at the mountains every morning and remember that we serve a God who set the world in motion. Help us to rejoice in your glory and your amazingness. And Father God, as we take every step, as we do every day at work, as we have our conversations with people who don't know you and people who do, help us to be people who point over and over again at your amazing son. Help us to be people who make an impact on the folks that we encounter. In Christ's name, amen.